The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. In Tunes, a two-hour weekly broadcast which focuses and reflects on issues that impact and connects our community in the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. Hey, we've got uh, Carrie Houck, who's the Executive Artistic Director of the Tennessee Williams Festival St. Louis, and I kind of gave it away. I should have said, Ellie, today we're going to talk about Thomas Lanier Williams. Mm -hmm. Yes, and no one would have known who that was. Right, alias, a.k.a. Tennessee Williams. Tennessee Williams. And Carrie, welcome to in tune Good to today. See you. I'm going to read Carrie's bio here because oh. it's it's really great. She spent her professional life as an actor, casting director, producer, teaching artist, educated at HB Studio in New York City, Conservatory Theater of Arts at Webster University. Wow. Began her acting career at the Repertory Theater of St. Louis. From there worked in New York City, LA, and Chicago, cast over 30 films, numerous television shows, countless national commercials, and has worked with director Steven Soderbergh. Robert Altman, Alexander Payne, Howard Franklin, among others, started her casting career in Chicago 35 years ago. From there, settled back to St. Louis to raise her daughter, produced two films, and the critically acclaimed production of Tennessee Williams' Stairs to the Roof, directed by Fred, is it Abrams? It's Abramsa. Abramsa. He's from Cape Town, South Africa. And she's an adjunct professor of casting and acting at Webster University and has taught at Wash U. And Columbia College in Chicago. Wow! Can I can I just touch you? Can Did I reach? I do that? Can I, Did can I, I do all that? Just reach out and touch you. My gosh! That can I retire now? I have a curious question. Where did it all begin? Did you perform in no. high school or? No. Uh, I'll tell you what. I was born that way, and I think most people who have longevity in the business don't have a choice. They just. It's. I'm lucky. I got to do it. Um. When I was a kid, we didn't have coca. You know, I, it was a long time ago, Arnold. Yeah. Um, I had ballet lessons, and I loved that, but okay. I wanted to act, and there weren't opportunities for kids then. There was a woman, I think she was on Del Mar. She was in New City, and um, I did. she had a little acting school with a little stage. I, can't, I wish I could remember where it was. And uh, I went there a couple of times, but it wasn't like kids now who have these weekly programs and these marvelous opportunities. Right. Um, and I, I couldn't really sing, so I never went for the Muni Kid Chorus thing. So I would put on plays in my carport in Crestwood wow. on Coffee Court, which isn't too far from here, and uh, have the neighbors come over. And they'd be fully produced. We'd do Shakespeare. We'd do Tennessee Williams. I loved reading plays when I was a kid. I read plays, not novels. I wasn't reading Nancy Drew. Wow. I was reading Streetcar Named Desire, <laughs> you know, so, so The Taming it, of the Shrew. I was, I was weird. I, that's the other question I had. You know, I have a whole list of things, but why Tennessee Williams? And maybe that's because you grew up reading him? I did grow up reading him. My uncles knew him, but not from here. They knew him from other times in their lives. My Aunt Zoe had a bar in Tangier, Morocco. Wow. And uh, they befriended Tennessee there. It was it was frequented by a lot of famous writers, Ernest Hemingway, Paul Bowles, William S. Burroughs. So it was a mecca for writers uh, in the 50s. Hmm. So they knew Tennessee, and my, my other uncle Norman knew him from elsewhere. I don't know where, but I loved his writing. It, I connected with it as a child, which is pretty odd, but... 
Tennessee, you know, number one, his his writing is like poetry. It's very lyrical. It's very beautiful just to listen to. He understands connecting to human beings. He understands loneliness. I wasn't really popular. I, I was as a kid, but then in high school, I really wasn't. So he writes about the other, mm-hmm. you know, people who really don't have a group or feel Kids a part of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Wow. Yeah. And then uh, college was just like I'm Well, kinda... I was lucky that I got to go to Web that we had Webster Conservatory mm-hmm. back then because again, in our in my era, kids didn't get to apply to 20 different schools. Right. You know, we got to choose one and hope that we got in. And I did get in and the conservatory was in full swing. It was about 5 or 6 years old by then. And we had a company at the rep who were our professors. They were a true troop. I mean, they were the company. Mm-hmm. And they would have visiting artists who also would lecture and whatnot. But it was, uh, I learned a lot. And it was the first time I got to perform because I didn't ever get cast in high school because I wasn't a cheerleader. And that's how it worked at Lindbergh then. Wow. wow. It doesn't anymore. No, but it, it doesn't. Then. And you know what? I went to Webster High. Mm-hmm. And so being right across the street from. Um, Webster University, mm-hmm. and I was a thespian, and we were always casting. And so, with Little Theater, Mrs. Smizer, and she'd always bring us over there, and we would do a lot at Webster University. Yeah. But then, when I graduated Webster University, it was like they weren't even recruiting from Webster High School at the time. Mm. It's almost right. like you had to live somewhere else. I feel so else. lucky because honestly, I didn't know what I was doing, and I did have to audition. And they only took our our class was teeny tiny. I'm not really sure why they took me, but I did well there, and I found my place at Webster. That's that's something you all have to do. Yeah. Not you all have to do, but people have to do is find out what is their niche. Yeah, And that's where right. is that, yeah. and then, then run and with I it. And I knew that was really the only thing that I, I wanted to do. I didn't have any other choice. Wow. And I think people who survive in the business really, I just spoke to a class at the conservatory yesterday of seniors, and I told them, I said, you know, to last, you have to want it more than anything and make huge sacrifices. Mm -hmm. I was lucky because I, once I started casting, I got to make a living. And I did. I was able, I'm very lucky that I was in Chicago and the industry was thriving and there weren't a whole lot of us then. There weren't many casting directors there then. So I, I just had a plethora of work and learned on, you know, as I went. But that was really, I believe casting is what I was really supposed to do. So what does a casting director actually do? Well, you know, and I feel like when I started, we had more control than than we do now. We would get to call, like, from the different agents and from productions we had seen and all the actors we knew, who we put in front of the director. So it was our eye and our judgment as to who got to come into audition. You know, it's very rare a casting director gets to pick the cast, but we would present... And in those days, we were trusted so highly that we didn't have to bring hundreds of people in for a role. We could call it down to like eight eight actors per category. Now it's different. I mean, I told the kids yesterday, you could go for a commercial and be up against 100 people per ca- and 100 actors per category or more. And now, was it dealing with agents back then or directly yeah. with the actors? Or No agents. And then I would go see theater almost every night of the week mm-hmm. to scout. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. So you really got a chance to see a lot of people, see a lot of plays. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and work with some pretty top-notch directors. And then when I moved back to St. Louis to raise my daughter, when she had to go to school, and I was a single mother by then, and our school district in downtown Chicago wasn't fantastic. So I I came home, and it, it was rough at first because I, they didn't really use casting directors in St. Louis much then. But after a year of only casting herbicide commercials for Monsanto. (laughs) (laughs) Big business. The film commission here was blooming and prospering. And that's when the movies, really big movies rolled into St. Louis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And TV shows. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're always saying that St. Louis really is a great place to be. And, you know, and when you're from St. Louis, all you hear people do is just bash, bash, bash. But it is. It's got wonderful. First of all, we always talk about the wonderful theater and the wonderful free opportunities there are, the great parks. And, you know, we've got the green spaces. Well, Forest Park is sort of my front yard. I live in that neighborhood in Demont, and it's okay. Oh, yeah. Amazing to just cross the street. And that's where I am. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. now, we kind of fast forward, and I remember talking to you several years ago. We met at Miley Restaurant. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. Tuesday nights. We 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 all sit at the bar. <laughs> yeah. And would we would talk, and so that's how I got to meet Carrie. And you were kind of in the maybe not infant stage yeah, of the Tennessee but Williams Festival. Exactly, I was okay. probably when we met. Okay. So we're in our fourth year. That was twenty. We we formed the board in twenty fifteen after Stairs to the Roof was so successful, and I realized I was a pretty good producer. But everybody needs to know how really hard that job is. <laughs> it's it's really like being a ringmaster of many different personalities. And now divide this for me. What a producer does differently than a director? Well, the producer a raises the money and puts the team together. And as a casting director, I also put that hat on. But I hire the directors, the designers. And, you know, when I hire designers, it's with input from the directors, of course, because I want everyone to be happy artistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, that's very, very important. But then I also have to understand that we have to make money and not go broke and get people in the seats. So it's it's a lot. Right. There's yeah. a tremendous responsibility. There's tremendous responsibility. A lot of it's a lot of weight. But as we grow, I mean, I'm hoping that we can staff up to take some of this off of my hands. Mm-hmm. And right now we're getting there. We're we're slowly getting there. So yeah. this this is the fifth year? Fourth year? Fourth. Fourth year. Fourth. And tell us a little bit about the transition from just kind of birthing that to yeah. where it is now to, yeah. you know, it's really becoming very well known internationally. Yeah. Thank you. We're proud of that because it's happened quickly. Yes, it has. We started, I formed the board five years ago. We we launched four year, in 2016. Well, no, I, I formed the board in 2015, launched in 2016. And our first festival looked huge considering it was our first festival. It had maybe more elements than we've ever had, but I didn't produce all of them. I produced uh, some 1X in a house in Grand Center, which is still my favorite production to this day. But then we presented a couple of different theater companies here did Tennessee Williams, and I put them under our banner and promoted them and gave them venues and whatnot and put them in our schedule and 
we do a tribute every year to Tennessee on the closing night of the first weekend, which we we produce. And we use people from our company doing excerpts from plays, songs, whatnot. It's a beautiful, magical evening. But the first year was... It, it was a lot. We had many panels. We had a one-man show. We brought in a lot of scholars from all over the country, the top scholars, and we did really well. And I thought, boy, I was really looking at it like maybe I'll just do this once. Mm-hmm. So then we went back. And again, second year had a lot of moving parts. We brought in a troupe of Cubans from Miami to do their version of Streetcar. We brought in Tennessee's paintings from Key West, Mm. which had only been seen outside of Key West once. Mm. And we kept them here for about three months. We had multiple productions, lots of visitors. I had a scholar come in from France who knows a lot about the paintings and is writing a book about them. So then last year, I thought, I think I'm, we, we, we were able to get the Grandel Theater last year, which had newly been, for, it had been recently refurbished. And I thought, okay, 300 seats, 300 plus seats if we open the balcony. I have to do an iconic Williams play for this venue. So we did Streetcar. And I brought in a director who I adore and we're on the same artistic page most of the time. And we cast it impeccably and didn't do a whole lot else last year. I threw a lot of eggs in the streetcar basket. I did bring in a one-man show, and we always have our panels, but that was the festival last year. And we were nominated for 11 St. Louis Theater Circle Awards for that show. In every category we could be nominated in, and, and we ahead, were. And go ahead and say what those categories are, because this is a really big deal. It's a big deal, and it was, I mean, for such a new company... The nominations were Best Production, Best Director, Best Actress, Actor, Supporting in both categories, Lighting Design, Set Design, Sound Design, (laughs) Costume Design, everything we could have been Best Ensemble, we got the nominations. We ended up taking home seven of them, including Best Production, Best Director, Best Ensemble, Best Actress. That's huge. And most of the design awards. And those were awarded, uh, what, about a month ago? About a month ago. Wow, that is major. I still really can't believe it. (laughs) And then the Arts and Education Council awarded us as Best Arts Startup of 2019. 19, which again is a big deal. That is fabulous. I mean, standing in the Corusan room on that stage in front of a thousand people getting wow. that award was pretty. Oh yeah, the Corusan room is just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and I think what you've done in starting the the festival is really lay some groundwork for people who want to do this in other communities. Yeah. And maybe not with Tennessee Williams, obviously, well, but right. with somebody else. But there are festivals for Tennessee and New Orleans being mm-hmm. the oldest, which is 30 plus years old. Uh, Provincetown is going on their 15th year, I think, in Massachusetts. And I've been going to these. So, you know, of course, I was inspired. And I think now in our fourth year, we're, we're finding our own identity. And I believe that of the three major festivals, but there's also one in Clarksdale, Mississippi, and Columbus, Mississippi, where he had ties, and and a lot of events in Key West where he spent a lot of his life. I think we all look different, and mm-hmm. there's a place for all of us, mm-hmm. but I'm really proud that we've, we found our little groove now, mm-hmm. and we're, we're, we do a lot of theater, but we still like the panels. New Orleans is more panels. 
it's more panels than theater. And then Provincetown, being Provincetown, has a beautiful own thing going because they they have the ability especially with you know being 15 years old but also with where they are and who their community is and their visitors are they can do the edgier tennessee williams work which i i like to throw in every now and then Mm -hmm. but for st louis i'm trying to stick with some traditional every year as Mm -hmm. well well you know what's interesting about all those places he has a connection there Mm -hmm. His, he's lived there, or he vacationed there. His connection here, he grew up here after he moved years. from Mississippi. Yeah. And went to school at Soldan and University City. Yeah. Wow. And went to Wash U. Yeah. And Amazing. University of Missouri. Yeah. Columbia. Graduated from... A University of Iowa. Iowa, right. So he lived in the West End, mm-hmm. and a lot of his life is his plays, and a lot of his plays... It's his life. Even if they're not about St. Louis, but quite honestly, there are a number of them about St. Louis. Some that are just now being published. He wrote many plays that we don't even know about Kind of like the one you guys are going to be presenting on Creve Corps? Yeah, but that was actually published quite a while ago. Really? It's just rarely produced. And that does take place on Enright Avenue, where my dad was born and grew up. And has so many St. Louis references that it's just you get a kick out of that alone. You know, she talks. She works at the International Shoe Company. They go to Crevecore Park for their their picnic, and they teach at Blewett, where my dad went. So there are a lot of wonderful, wonderful. They talk about the brewery, but not Anheuser Busch. Was it maybe Falstaff? Falstaff. Yeah, right. I think they talk about Falstaff and. Uh, the butcher, Mr. Butts on Grand. And, you know, our lead actor in Night of the Iguana is Jim Butts, and he has a huge family, and I keep meaning to ask him, did you have a, an uncle ever, a cousin yeah. who was a butcher? No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. No, that's great. So what we want to do, folks, is you know, take the uh, festival, not apart, but we want to talk about each of the plays a little bit, what people are going to see, where it's going to be, obviously at the Grandel, what you can expect to see when you go there, and some of the other interesting things that you have going on like the tour yeah uh that's very interesting because i didn't know he was buried here in st louis we have too many sites to see we could do 10 tours and not cover it all but we i love the tour and just going to the gravesite is pretty amazing he did not want to be buried here right he is buried buried here with his mother edwina and his sister rose and his brother dakin on the bus tour, that's that's the culmination of the day. I mean, that's what what everyone wants to see, and it's 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 sort of heart wrenching, actually. Well, it's interesting, yeah. you know, walking on the uh, the star down in the loop, yeah, and seeing that, and then there's the the bus down in the West End, and yeah, knowing that there's all of these iconic artists who have resided here, or mm-hmm. they either were raised here, born here, or spent some time here. And how much of this that we just kind of keep going with our lives and don't really embrace and take advantage of. I know, and I really, I'm hoping St. Louis will finally embrace Tennessee. And a note about the sculpture on on Euclid and McPherson. Very known sculptor, Harry Weber, did that bust of Tennessee Williams, and he's in The Night of the Iguana playing Nano. He's a brilliant actor, by the way. Wow. So I love that connection. And we didn't cast him for that, of course. He's a brilliant actor. 
but I love the I love that. But you know, having recently been in New Orleans for their festival, walking around the French Quarter and other uh, neighborhoods, they really honor him there. I mean, a restaurant will say Tennessee Williams used to eat here, and I mean he's everywhere, especially in the French Quarter. And it's time that we recognized his contribution to our city more, and the festival's doing that. Time to. Uh recognize a lot of St. Louisans who have gone before us and understand and value their contributions to mm-hmm. what they've done right. for what we have right now. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm just amazed at history, and that's what we're going to talk about, talk about a little bit more about his life when we come back, dissect the festival. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. We've been talking to Carrie Hauk from the Tennessee Williams St. Louis I, I think Fest, she Tennessee re- Williams Festival St. Louis. Yes, she requires superlatives. Oh. Uh, you know, now you just can't say, you know, we're here with Carrie Hauk. We are here with it. the outstanding <laughs> casting director, actor, and producer and teaching artist, Carrie Hauk. Yeah, there you go. The tremendous, the stupendous, the most awesomest. Thank you. <laughs> and we're talking Tennessee Williams, a St. Louis person. Almost Two decades a here, almost, almost a native, native, right? Streetcar named Desire, cat on a hot tin roof, meow, glass menagerie. Everybody's heard of these, right? Yeah, how about this one? Have you heard of this one? Yeah. A lovely Sunday for Creve Cor. No. The night of the iguana. Yes. Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the night of the iguana. Well. <clears throat> Because the festival's coming up, folks. The Night of the Iguana is probably the reason why I'm doing the festival. It's my favorite play. It has been my whole life. And when I met Tim O'Sell, our director, we discovered that it's his favorite play as well. So we decided not to do it last year because we we wanted to do one of the really iconic Plays and we uh, uh, we had presented Glass Menagerie our first year, so to me that would that is Streetcar Named Desire. Mm-hmm. It's the one everybody knows. So we got that very successfully under our belts, and we knew that this was our year for the Night of the Iguana. I've wanted to produce this for twenty years. Wow. I talked about it in an interview in St. Louis Magazine, honestly, twenty five years ago. And I wasn't a producer yet, and then it, it it just didn't happen. I did a reading of it, and I actually did two readings of it, and it never happened. And and finally, my dream comes true. The timing has to be right. Yeah, and we have the venue for it, because it's 14 characters. I mean, they don't write plays like this anymore. Not straight plays, not non-musicals. Because, frankly, they're very expensive to produce right. when you have that many actors. So... We're, we're going big, and it's, it's beautiful, it's poetic, it's about humanity, it's about kindness, and I believe that what better year in our country right now to talk about being kind, mm-hmm. right? Talk. It's about the world on a precipice. It takes place uh, on the brink of World War II, and it's about a lot of disjointed People at a crossroads, let me say, in their lives and coming together at this rundown resort in Mexico and um, understanding what they need at this point. Mm-hmm. That's a very that's a very loving description. You know, it really brings you in and it shows you the humanity yeah. involved in the play. And I yeah. and I think you've done an excellent job of describing that. Thank you, because honestly, I feel like 
God, I'm going to sound so old, but in the in in this era that we're in right now, uh, people aren't always nice to each other right now. Kindness they have the ability something. to bash each other on social media right. and, and just expletives fly like crazy. And, and um, I just think we're in an unkind time in our history. And I think that it's important that we remember what it takes to live a happy, healthy life. You know, we've had this conversation several times on the air with different artists mm-hmm. and musicians. Mm-hmm. And the question was, does art imitate life or does life imitate art? Mm-hmm. And I'm always interested in people's responses to that. And they both many times intertwine or one is a reflection of the other. Right. And to, to see something that's going to reflect kindness mm-hmm. speaks of many times individuals who are living in history rather than the events of history. Right. And who are we reflecting? Are we ref- reflecting the events or individuals? And what are we doing individually to portray that back? Are we, you know, it's kind of like hairspray. I've talked about this with Ellie. Sometimes when people get angry, it's like hairspray. And do we get our own can out and spray it back, which is mm-hmm. what happens a lot on social media nowadays, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you can kind of do that anonymously. Right. And without bravery. Correct. <laughs> right. Without bravery. It's like, right. well, I say it's like throwing a hand grenade. You're not yeah. close to the damage, but let's do hand-to-hand combat if we want to talk right. about something. Right. So that's important. Uh, it's a beautiful play, and the characters are so uh, just wonderfully interesting. And I, I'm writing my notes for the program right now, and I, I mentioned that for better or worse, I'm I'm highly attracted to all of these characters as people. I mean, they're all people I would want to know and have in my life, and I think it's it's really worth seeing. And and it's got humor in it it's got love in it it's got thoughtfulness it has controversy it's 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 just a marvelous work of art and i i don't think it's produced enough again because it's it's expensive to put on right you said 14 actors and i love mexico i i've always wanted to be living in mexico and uh i get to for a few weeks in the spring of 2019 in st louis missouri i always wanted to be maxine who's one of the lead characters in the play she she runs the resort and um she's not without flaws let me say but she knows how to embrace life and i like that about her and i think the others do as well but their styles are a lot different interesting Mm mm-hmm and you're right that it does embody everything that's going on at our time right mm-hmm. now. You know, when you think about there is controversy, mm-hmm. and the controversy has to do with Mexico. <laughs> and you think, you well, know, but also, all you know, things. the play is really about, and my director likes to reiterate this, it's about reaching through broken fences. Ah. It's about reaching out to each other. Mm-hmm. Very nice. That's and we need to be doing that fences, much more than we we're are. talking about So that. that's going to be presented when? Because I know you have a, a window between right. May 9th and 19th. So the festival kicks off May 9th with the Night of the Iguana, and it runs the whole way through through May 19th. Okay. Uh, we do have a few days off in between the long weekends, but that is, that's our big production. On May 11th, we open with a lovely Sunday for Creve Corps. Upstairs at the Grandel, in the Grand Hall. Okay. Um, and that will run both weekends, but only on the weekends, and mostly matinees. We have a 1 and a 5 o'clock on Saturday, Sunday, and then the following Saturday and Sunday. That's probably a more intimate play. Yeah, it's for women mm-hmm. on Enright Avenue. They, they are together for one afternoon. 
planning to go to a few of them are planning to go to Crevecore Park for the the picnic at the end of the day on the streetcar. Uh, which my mom used to take actually out that there. That must have taken forever to it get from in and right to the park. It takes a minute to drive park. out there. I can't imagine. I can't even imagine <laughs> that. I mean, because I think about it, it takes 20 minutes to get in the car, driving 60 miles an hour to exactly, get from here to there. It's really, yeah. it, 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 it's in Maryland Heights. It's not in Cre- literally right, in right. Creve Right, Corps. exactly. Um, Creve Corps is beautiful. They're very eccentric women. You know, it was be- the Golden Girls based the show on this play really how many people are aware of that there you go folks yeah and the women in the play are younger than the women were in the golden girls but my mom watches that every night you know they're four (laughs) disparate characters who again it's about humanity and needing each other and reaching out to each other even though at the beginning of the play you you wonder how this could possibly work but it's very human it's very funny i would consider it a comedy and I hope that more people are introduced to this play and get to see a really top-notch production of it. We have hired four excellent female actors to portray these roles. Carrie Ely, who's a known actor in our town, is directing it. She's also an, an amazing director. So I think that they'll be in for a treat. Then you have another one, Dear Mr. Williams. Yeah. Uh, Brian Batt, who I've met in New Orleans and was one of my favorite characters on Mad Men. He played Sal on Mad Men, for those of you who watch that show. He is a wonderful stage actor as well. He was very influenced by Williams, both personally and professionally, uh, since he was in high school. And the one-man show, Dear Mr. Williams, is based on his experience with this writer in his own life. So we're world premiering it. It's pretty exciting, and we're co-producing it. So we hope that it will go on and have uh, legs after it leaves St. Louis. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Michael Wilson is directing it, and he is an iconic Tennessee Williams director. And I I, I still have to pinch myself to realize that he's coming in to direct a show that we're co-producing. Yeah. So we've grown. In, Although in, we started out big, I, I have to say, <laughs> the first play I did, Stairs to the Roof, I brought in a director from Cape Town because I had to replace someone here, and it was just so far-fetched, and They said gorgeous. yes and came over, and it worked. He came like three days later to cast. I got a really like surprisingly cheap ticket from Cape Town to to St. Louis, he had it took him hours, it took him days to get here. I was gonna say there was no direct flight, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it took him the flight was thirty six hours. Oh my gosh. But he made it and we made you know beautiful art and uh the rest is history. Right, <laughs> right. He probably had to land in every continent to he get did. here. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> so the panel discussions, what does that consist of? Well we have now. I just added one that's not even published yet. Uh, most of them are in sa- our first Saturday morning. We do these every year because I have been going to these festivals for so many years. I've met a lot of the top scholars along the way on this circuit, and uh, Tom Mitchell, who teaches at the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana. I've known about Tom for for years and years and years. Whenever people knew I liked Tennessee Williams, oh, you have to reach out to Thomas Mitchell. So he's curating them and moderating them. 
We have David Kaplan coming in from the Provincetown Festival. Michael Wilson, who I just spoke about, will be on them. Uh, Henry Chavez, who is a scholar from WashU, knows a lot about Williams, and and many others. Some of our cast members are participating. We have different topics. Um, we're talking about Tennessee Williams and the political life in St. Louis at the time he was writing. We're talking about the playwright as a cultural tourist. Mm. And, you know, that will focus on the Night of the Iguana. But again, there's a lot to mine, considering the brilliant panelists we have. We actually have replaced one of these. We've changed it up a little bit. Why Tennessee, Why Now is the current uh, third Saturday morning offering. You know, here we are, it's 2019. Many of these plays were written decades ago. How do they apply to our lives right now? Mm -hmm. Why are they important that we still, why is it important that we still produce this writer? You know, some people would say, only new works should be produced uh, right now. I I highly disagree. I think we need both. And I think a lot of these plays um, need to be reexamined. And there's so much, as I said, in the Night of the Iguana that is so timely to where we are now in history. And there's a lot of depth that maybe some people don't see. Another comment that we've made frequently on the show, we must learn about history know about history so we don't repeat history. Exactly. And the arts are a great place yeah. to learn about that yeah. and what was going on. And then we just added one that is going to be, I believe, on the the first Sunday morning, which is Mother's Day, which is a little tricky, but that's when all my scholars are still here. And we're actually putting a number of local people on the panel. And we're going to examine producing Tennessee Williams and still casting diversely and producing these in a different way than they were originally, which we have to a certain extent up to this point. And we're going to re-examine that with some people from the community and with the scholars and uh, make it a continuing discussion. That's, That's good, interesting, yes. Yeah. Yeah. To make it the ongoing discussion yeah. so that people do see how it ties. And I was just noticing from the notes here with Dear Mr. Williams and talking about um, all of the different things that, that go on sex and alcohol. and you know. But the thing of it is, as you said, the funny coming of, of age story of a young gay artist. Right. And so we've always thought of artists and we've accepted you know, the gay lifestyle within the artist. But I mean, mm-hmm. imagine here... 2019, we actually have an openly gay presidential candidate, Mm -hmm. you know, and you just think about five years ago, 10 years ago, that would have been the death knell of that person. And I think that's wonderful that we're able to tie all this in. You know, Brian is... Well, I'm not going to divulge his age, but when he grew up, (laughs) he he didn't know if it was okay to, to... talk about it or admit it or he grew up in a very catholic background in new orleans and you know sort of a high social strata and right. um, he felt that tennessee williams sort of allowed him to accept who he is plus he's very entertained i mean brian is a, a true showman and the show is going to be highly entertaining and funny and poignant all at the same time but but just as a casting director i mean I've always cast diversely my whole career, even before it was a big topic of conversation. We brought in the National Theater of Ghana. I don't know how many wow. people know that. That was, no. 
I think it was two years ago, 16 actors from Ghana came in. I got it. I applied for a special grant to, to allow this to happen. It was so thrilling. But here, 16 Africans were doing a Tennessee Williams play that was not written for probably anyone but white actors. And it was one of the most beautiful things. It's one of the things I'm the most proud of. Mm. And we tried to get them back. We didn't get the grant this year. I wanted them to do suddenly last summer for us in the jewel box. But one day we'll we'll get our we'll get different money to, to be able to do that. It was thrilling. We played them in the streets all over the city of St. Louis, and we tra- we didn't charge any admission. I wanted people who normally don't get to see theater to see some very thrilling theater. So it's a it's a topic that we cannot stop talking about. We must not, and how to do this successfully. And uh, as we look ahead, you have some a jazz brunch along with the bus tour mm-hmm. and. You know, these all take place down at the Grand Isle? Mostly. Um, we'll be in the Grand Isle main, the main stage venue. We'll be upstairs in the Grand Hall, which hasn't been used as a theater space in a few years, so I'm sort of happy to resurrect that. We'll have the panels in the dark room, mm-hmm. the jazz brunches in the dark room, and then Brian Bat will be at the Curtain Call Lounge, which, for those of you who haven't been, is a beautiful venue. It's it's intimate. It's next door to the Fox, and it's really like a little nightclub. It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, uh, it's great. Yeah, and you can eat and drink and all the fun and be merry stuff and be merry. So how? Can people get tickets, Carrie? They go to metrotix.com or they can drive up to the Fox box office and park in that little 15-minute spot and uh, buy tickets at the box office there. They are open during the day, 9 to 5, and then later on show days. Yeah. You go to our website. Website is, go ahead. www.twstl.org, O-R-G. We have a deal at the Chase Sonesta Hotel. It's now the Chase Sonesta uh, for our out-of-town visitors, and that information is on our website. They gave us a very lovely deal on a beautiful, beautiful, iconic hotel in the Central West End. Well, that could actually be a great Mother's Day package. Yeah. If you think you go and you stay oh, yeah. at the Chase, and then you do the this, yes. and you do the that. And, you know, and even if you do live in town, it's a staycation. Well, you know, we actually do very well on Mother's Day. People make a day of it because they can come. Now they could come to a panel. They can come to brunch. They can come to a 1 o'clock matinee of a lovely Sunday for Creve Corps and still make it to the 3 o'clock matinee of... Uh, Night of the Iguana, Wow! have some dinner and then stay for the tribute reading, which is on Sunday <laughs> night, May 12th, where we, actors from the company um, and musicians uh, read from Williams. It's, uh, Tom Mitchell put this together, too. It's a beautiful evening of poetry, letters that he wrote, scenes from plays, music. Ken Page is hosting that. Our lovely Ken Page. We're so lucky to have him here in St. Louis. So it's a it's a festival. It's great. We're talking about the Tennessee Williams Festival St. Louis, which is in its fourth year of production. This is the 2019 season, and you can get more by more information by going to uh, twstl.org, www.twstl.org. And this festival takes place from May the 9th through the 19th, and it's just that time. At yeah, the Grand here Dale. we are. And 
Then Carrie's busy working for the next season. I can't wait till you hear what that is. I cannot say yet, but it's it's something wonderful Some, and wild. Something wild and wonderful and special. <laughs> I, I think she, she's just booked herself on the next show well, next, absolutely. next year, whenever absolutely. the next thing starts. We're also hoping to do possibly a production in the fall, just so people don't forget about us uh, during the course of the year. So, well, I'll recommend, idea. and I have a way of having a little bit of pull around here, but I'm going to recommend to Arnold, hint, hint, <laughs> that he makes sure he books you for the fall. Okay. I'd love it. There we go. We will do that. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. You're listening to In Tune on KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri.